I feel like I'm perhaps poised to be the most creative I've been in a very, very long time. Now that I have time and now that I've actually, I've got substance, what's going to build up more shit inside that you need to get out than like having terminal cancer? Like I've got material for days. That's Natasha, self-proclaimed oversharer, sometimes writer, private vlogger, dance party maker. She shares her vulnerable tale of facing her mortality through living with cancer. She reached out to her Facebook friends to help her fill her days with happy distractions. So I challenged her to think about her creative legacy for posterity in an interview with me. I wanted to say that I don't have practice talking about the heartbreak of a shortened life. My personal experience is actually that of losing a friend suddenly, so my tone of voice is one of huge appreciation and not of missing the weight of the conversation. I hope it reads that way to you as well. I'm Angelica Norton. Stay tuned for my monthly chat. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Angelica. Thanks for joining me on Chatty Crafties, a show where I celebrate my creative friends to get inspired by everyday art. We were friends freshman year of high school and went dancing at the Houston Club Numbers every Friday and Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so sentimental about this time discovering my love of dance and you were game to sweat out our gothy, heavily yes. eyelined faces off. <laughs> and I'm so glad that we reconnected at our 20-year high school reunion. I can't believe it's been 20 years. I know. That's kind of bizarre. So we became Facebook friends after that. And that was kind of right around the time that you were getting some like big news Um, And so the inspiration for reaching out to you came from your recent Facebook post. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Okay. I spent a large part of last year being very sick. I was diagnosed in May um, with stage four breast cancer. Um, And this had come after I actually found a lump myself in November of 2019, went to get it checked out. Um, was told, oh, it's nothing, just kind of dismissed everything away. And then I started experiencing some really bad back pain. Um, And then, of course, because of coronavirus, it was really hard to get in and get any kind of diagnostics. Um, And then uh, it just got so bad, went to the ER, finally got some testing, and then um, was diagnosed with not just cancer, but stage four cancer. And basically, um, what I've come had to come to terms with is that as a what's considered terminal diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe not instant, maybe I'm not going to die in the next six months or year or even three years, but the statistics are pretty um, shitty. And um, I've just been kind of going through waves of grief and sadness. And I feel like I've been processing um, just the inevitability of all of it. And I got to a pretty dark place a little while ago. And, um, it was just so much had bubbled up inside that I just felt the need to release. And I just made this post kind of reaching out, um, to everyone and just sort of giving everyone an update on where I'd been in my mind. Um, and that is just feeling kind of down obviously. And, uh, 
uninspired and um, just feeling kind of stuck. Um, just, you know, I think I said something like, um, I'm just watching the sunrise and the sunset from the same window at the same spot day in and day out. And it's just, I'm realizing that my days are passing me by. And for someone that's so concerned about how much time I have left, it seems kind of ridiculous. So what's really neat about that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded with so much love and so many amazing people. Like you were one person that reached out to me. Um, a lot of people that have always been there, I guess it was just up to me to reach back to them kind of have really stepped up and, um, I don't want to say come to my rescue, but <laughs> they're, you know, like, Hey, let's go do this. Let's go do this. And that has really helped kind of pull me out of the funk a bit. So, yeah. And it seems like one thing you were hoping to get out of that post was to like, be more creative, to do things, to fill your day that felt worthwhile. What did your creative life look like before your diagnosis? Um, yeah, my creative life before my diagnosis was always kind of placed on the back burner. I feel like um, I would always just kind of put it on the back burner in favor of more like practical pursuits, whether that was career or things that needed to get done around the house. And so it was always something that I just kind of like put in my back pocket and just didn't really pay any attention to. Um, and then if I had just a little sliver of time, I would dedicate that to being creative. You know, for me, it's writing. But anytime I would do that, it's um, just really fulfilling. But now I'm seeing that I guess I just always assumed that I had so much time before to get back to it later. And now I'm realizing like, you don't always have all the time in the world to kind of catch up on these things. And you just got to do it when the mood strikes. So for me, that's been my focus now is to just quit wasting time. And, you know, if I want to do something, do it. Yeah. And your writing from what I've read on Facebook, at least, um, is really beautiful. Thanks. And usually when I write something for Facebook, like I make one of these posts, and that's another thing is that I don't like I'm very critical uh, and I and I love words and I love using a thesaurus. Uh huh. To if because I'd like to try to be as concise as possible, but oftentimes what happens is I just like end up using a lot of complex words. So it's like such a so anyway, I'll write something and then go back and read it and rewrite. It'll take me like a couple of days to which sounds so stupid because it's just like a Facebook post. But sometimes I'm able to just blast it out. You've mentioned that you've written some blog posts. Um, and in your email, you were talking about writing about music. Mm -hmm. What blogs have you written for? And like, can you talk about a little bit of the writing you've done? Um, yeah, it's a little not, I mean, just kind of as a, as a hobby for a couple of friends blogs. Um, I have a good friend. His name is Wes. He also lives up in Austin. He has uh, a music blog called it's shadowboxing.org and, um, it's primarily a drum and bass blog. So are you familiar with drum and bass? Yeah, to some extent. Yeah. So it's electronic music. Um, and that's how we actually know each other. We have uh, lots of mutual friends in um, the music world. And, uh, you know, he just 
would same as you kind of read some things on Facebook and was like, Hey, I think your writing's awesome. And I think you followed me on Twitter. And a funny story about that is I'd actually set up an IFTT recipe. Do you know what IFTT is? I don't. If this, then that it's um, a website that connects your social media accounts or it, I mean, it's got, there's so many things you can do with it, but you can link your say SoundCloud in my case, SoundCloud account to your Twitter account and you set up these recipes. So if you like something, it'll index it for you and you can go and pull an Excel spreadsheet of it or, uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, or you can tweet every time you like something. So I'm not usually on Twitter. Um, and when he said he followed me on Twitter, I was like, huh. So I went and looked and I had something like 1700 tweets and I'm like, shit, where did this come from? Did someone <laughs> hack my account? Um, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I set up that recipe. And so every time I would like something, which was for me at the time I was listening to new music, like from start to finish, uh, you know, from when I hopped in my car to basically when I got home, um, just new stuff all the time. I mean, oftentimes rarely listening to things twice hmm. because I just wanted to hear new music all the time. It was really inspirational. So um, that's how he found me. And I wrote a couple of things for him. Um, also in the same way, uh, I have another friend here from Houston. His name is uh, Matthew Dunn, and he has a blog called Department of Dance. And I wrote a few things for them. But nothing, nothing really too seriously. And I think that's because it was, like I said, something I enjoyed doing, but I would always put it on the back burner in favor of more practical pursuits. Can you send me the links to those blog yeah. posts? And yeah. what I do, there's a Chatty Crafties blog post for every episode. And so I'll drop the links in there. Okay. You are so relentlessly positive in your Facebook posts, um, checking in about your treatments, and as my therapist says, dropping anchors for beautiful moments in a lot of difficult days. I loved this line. Uh, when someone receives a terminal diagnosis like stage four breast cancer, how do you keep living with something you know is statistically supposed to kill you and not let it destroy your life before it takes your life? And I just, I loved that. And I, I feel like those moments of checking in to like let everybody know how you're doing, you're leaving little imprints of your, your mood and your temperament and, you know, just little breadcrumbs for people to follow and kind of get to know you. But also this idea of a legacy that you want to leave behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole not letting a terminal diagnosis take your life before it kills you is something that, you know, my husband's been been telling me like, okay, he's the eternal optimist. He's mm -hmm. like, you're going to be that 2% unicorn, whatever. But he's like, you know, even if you're not, don't let it ruin what what time you have. Um and so that really just kind of got me thinking about what's important. And if I'm not, it's kind of hard to talk about it. You know, if I don't have all the time in the world, um, how do I want to spend my time? And if I'm not going to be able to be here forever with everyone, what do I want to leave behind? Like what lasting impression do I want to leave them with? And how can I do that? And um, 
I've really found that I kind of refer to it as oversharing on Facebook. It's a good way for me to, A, it's therapeutic because I'm able to get these thoughts out and it helps me work through some things, but it also lets other people in. Um, and then maybe when I'm not here anymore, if someone wants to remember me or just kind of think of me, they can go back and it's just like a, a really personal way to be here when yeah. I'm not physically here. Yeah. I, I think that is a, a real thing that people who don't have the diagnosis hanging over them, they don't appreciate. And that yes. for people who have lost someone and they have those breadcrumbs to like catch up with and have moments with the person they lost, it is it is endlessly you're endlessly hungry for those moments because you don't have them. So I I think that it's really beautiful that you get a chance to leave what you want to leave. Right. And especially, you know, like my daughter, she's 18 and my son just turned 13. So, I mean, I don't know how long I'm going to be here for, but, you know, I communicate with my daughter differently than I communicate with my son. My daughter is older, so our conversations are a bit more mature. Um, but with my son, you know, he knows me, I'm mom, but I feel like having leaving these little bits out there kind of for posterity, maybe he'll be able to go back and, and kind of get a deeper look at what was going on. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. In this legacy that you're thinking about, or, or maybe just kind of in, in the time that you're really focusing on, what kinds of creative endeavors are you hoping to explore? Um, I definitely feel like, I would like to write more. Um, I've always wanted to start a blog. I mean, I sat on a domain name for like three years, five years, I don't know, until my husband was like, if you're not going to do it, it's been like this long, I'm going to stop renewing the, <laughs> the anyway, but uh, I think maybe doing that, I, I also thought, um, I really like the idea of creating little keepsakes for my kids with little pieces of my writing, maybe creating little books for them. Um, oh, yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, I think that would be neat. Um, I have a friend who, um, as a result of that Facebook post, invited me to um, a Zoom meeting earlier this week. Um, and it's for an art project that I thought was really neat. Um, and she is the, uh, an art teacher or the art director at the Kincaid school here in Houston. That's where I went. Oh, is it really? Yeah. That was my, that was my, uh, elementary and middle school. Oh, wow. My okay, mom yeah. taught there for really some okay. years. Yeah. She was the art yeah. teacher in, um, lower school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think, uh, she's in art in lower school also. Her name's Lauren Taylor, oh. but, um, yeah. So she, um, was like, Hey, I've got an opportunity for you, a volunteer opportunity for you. Um, you know, just why don't you log into this zoom call at this time? And it's, um, so I guess one of her students had passed away from childhood cancer a couple oh. years ago mm -hmm. and their parents started, uh, the so the Ferris Foundation it's a project called Art is Hope so basically what it is and I'll see if I can show you oh, neat. so 
Yeah. So the idea is to create a piece of art. You know, I guess they've been doing free art Friday, but uh, to create a piece of art. And it was this um, class where she walks you through how to make a really basic card. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm looking at her Twitter. This is who this was my mom's job. This is like she has the exact job that really? my mom retired from in 2012. <laughs> so it's freaking me That's, out. She probably, you know, stepped in for your mom yeah. in 2012. Yeah. Because she's been there for a long time. That is wild. Okay, go on. I don't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So uh, she, well, she became involved, um, I guess, the student was very near to her and it was very sad, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and she became involved with the organization. And uh, I think she's the art director for the organization. But, okay. um, you know, she invited me to this presentation where she walks you through um, creating a piece of art. In this case, it was like a little greeting card. So it's supposed to be anonymous and you just create them with little templates and they send you little stuff. Um, super simple project. But the idea behind it is really kind of beautiful, just sharing, um, anonymously sharing like a little work of art to hopefully brighten someone's day. You just yeah. leave it around or whatever. That's and then, so you know, of course, you put your little hashtag Ferris Foundation on it. And then, you know, maybe people will do it, too. So um, that was actually kind of really inspiring. So I started making a couple of cards and I just... Again, like me, I'd start something and I not only procrastinate, but I have like a bunch of little projects that are just half finished. But um, I like the idea of dedicating my time, especially since I'm not working now. I have so much time to do other things, but dedicating some of my time to things like that. Yeah, that feels really fulfilling like if you're gonna pick anything it's kind of double duty you know how those kids feel like you you know that this would mean the world to them and so to like do something creative and do something to support someone that you can relate to is really that's a good thing to pick yeah I'm glad she invited me I'm glad I put my um I feel like I threw a life preserver out you know yeah for anyone to kind of grab onto, or maybe I'm the one that's like floating in the ocean waiting for the life preserver and lots of people threw one out to me. Yeah. You're like, so, help, help. I'm drowning. Around. Yeah. Without wanting to, you know, cause it's really, while I feel like I'm really powerful when I embrace vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, there's a part of that where, you know, right afterward, it's almost like I have an immediate vulnerability hangover where I'm like, Oh shit. Was that too much? <laughs> I know how you feel. We're like, why did I share that? And then someone reaches out to you and says, hey, that really connected with me. And yes. then it encourages you to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. You mentioned vlogging and that you had <laughs> hundreds of hours of footage. I did not realize that. Is this like a personal thing, like a personal diary you've got going on? Yeah. Or- Yeah. And uh, a few years ago, I went through a a period of pretty deep depression and I was just kind of like up and down and all over the place. And so I just very randomly one day started um, recording my commutes to and from work um, just to sort of 
chronicle my ups and downs because I'd be doing really good. And then just all of a sudden out of nowhere, uh, you know, I'd be, um, I'd hit a low again and it, um, ended up being really helpful to kind of go back and look at that footage and see if there's anything that I talked about. I mean, I'm talking to like, it would sometimes just talk to myself or like mm-hmm. an invisible audience, which feels so stupid to say. <laughs> um, and, but it helped because I'd be able to go and see where I was at that time. Or if something happened, you know, that kind of, um, caused me to backslide a little bit. So I started doing it, then it became a habit and then it became habitual. Um, and then from there, I, there were, you know, a couple of funny tidbits that I actually ended up sharing, um, on Facebook, I think self-deprecating humor is my favorite. Mm-hmm. So those are generally the videos that are the most popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send you a video of, uh, and I think this is before we became friends on Facebook, but um, it's just an experience I had where my son left a bottle of McDonald's milk in my car and it was really gross. But anyway, so <laughs> I would love to see it. Yeah, pretty good. Um, I still have to get him back for that one. But um, <laughs> but um, it became therapeutic. And, um, you know, I was just doing it for a couple years. And so I have all this footage that is I just an unsurmountable amount of footage that mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with. And for a time there, because I would always listen to music, new tracks, and then just kind of give my thoughts on it or whatever. There were a few people that I would share it with. Um, and then for a while there, I was like, you know what, I should, um, I should do something with this. And I played with the idea of sharing maybe like a weekly super cut of like my favorite oh. tracks or my not so favorite ones where I would critique them, but I'm like in traffic because I'm always cussing in traffic. <laughs> That's something I don't miss about not having to go to work every day. Yeah. Um, and I was going to call it traffic jams. Ooh, that was my my million dollar idea. And I never, but that's another thing that I just like. That's a good one. You know, it was like right there. And then I just didn't seize on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. I don't know. You still, it's there in front of you. I still have time. Yeah. 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 That's good. You should definitely do that. But now you're, you're in therapy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was kind of like cancer related part of the whole package of going and getting treatment. I started seeing a therapist, um, I guess, and, you know, I see her weekly and I guess it's been a couple months, maybe almost three months and, uh, it's starting to become really helpful. Mm -hmm. I feel like we Mm -hmm. had a bit of a breakthrough last week where I really, um, began to realize like the value behind it. Do you feel like therapy could help you kind of focus in on anything creative? Like, do you find yourself talking about wanting to do creative things in therapy? Uh, yes. So that's more of a recent development to be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest with you, which is why I was kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm a good candidate for this because my (laughs) mind has been, it's not until I'm like feeling a little better. It's not until I can Mm -hmm. pull myself out of the trenches that my focus can go to that. Because like when it's, when I'm really deep in the shit, I'm like, 
you know, the focus is, okay, you need to get your ass out of bed and you need to go brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should shower today. It's been a few days. Could you try going in the other room for a little bit? (laughs) You know what I mean? So basic survival existing in the world stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up, that, that concern that right now you're not doing stuff because you're dressed trying to exist in the world because it's not that I think this podcast has to be about people who are like doing something every day. It's for and about people who just think about it, that crave it, that that consider those products that have the little light bulbs of ah traffic jams. This would be, yeah, <laughs> this would be a really good thing. And, and I feel like that urge is so important and contagious. Yeah. And I, like I told you on the phone, I, it's probably a very selfish thing for me when someone starts talking about these ideas because it makes me want to start doing it. Because as soon as I read vlogging, I was like, vlogging? Should I start vlogging? Is this something yes, that you I should. get something out of? I, yeah. I kind of, I never even thought about it. Yeah. And so I, I think that's what I love about podcasting. And I haven't podcasted since October, something like that. It's been a while. I was doing it's it not that every long ago. Well, I was oh, doing every, it every week. week. Yes. Okay. It, it was an unsustainable calendar and schedule. So <laughs> I ran out of steam and also the pandemic just oh, yeah. broke me down. Um, but this was the first interview in a while that I was like, oh, I really, I, there's that feeling, that feeling of being creative. Like I have an idea that I want to follow through. So if nothing else, you inspired me to be creative and I dragged Good. you along with me. <laughs> thank you. Well, um, <laughs> thank you very much for, because this is honestly, since you reached out to me, I was like, well, damn, I don't know that. Um, like I said, I don't know that I'm a good candidate, but it really got me kind of thinking in an introspective kind of way. And it was, I mean, it's been very good. Like I actually wrote things down in a book, which I used to do all the time. And that's another thing. I've got a few books of just like little mind dumps Uh and I could probably, I should probably go through those because I feel like that's really therapeutic too. I just being able to go back and kind of get to know your past self. Yeah. I like to do that. But, um, you know, so it got me thinking about a lot of stuff. And so the homework that I had for my therapist last week was because I was just really like, probably had the lowest point. Like I can tell you that I have cried more this over the course of the last, it hasn't even been a year yet than I probably have cried in my entire life. I'm not a crier. I don't like to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, maybe in the shower by myself sometimes, but I'm certainly not like a, you know, my husband has seen me cry maybe a few times. Not that I Maybe I did hold it all in before and just felt weak because of it. But um, I've cried more in this, in these last months than I have, you know, in years. But so I was at a really low point and, um, you know, I met with a therapist and I think that she could sense that I was feeling really down. And, and then once it's like she peeled a couple of layers back and then I was like, and just yes. unleashed all this stuff on her. And, it, you know, I said the 
the quiet, ugly parts out loud, like all the stuff about, you know, there's just a lot of stuff and I'm not going to talk about it much because I will cry because it's the worst. Um, it's the worst aspect of this is like my family and my kids and not being here for them and that kind of stuff. But, and then also just the being scared of death in general, like what's it going to be like to, you know, what's it going to be like to die? And anyway, so She was like, you know, I think she said she has a lot of patients that can kind of make their way through this time by just being that shiny, optimistic, like I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna beat the odds and whatever, but I can't, I'm more analytical. Like I, you know, I don't leave much room for gray area. She's like, I think you would probably do better to face down some of these things and process so that you can process them. So she told me that, you know, I think, um, maybe you should give yourself some years, you know, realistic expectation, maybe like five or seven years, which I don't like saying that. Cause I'm like, Ooh, it just sound like a lot. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's um, not. but just force yourself She didn't say force yourself, but basically it's like force yourself to deal with this and go through the grieving process. Because once you do that, it's like you can then focus on how you want to spend that time and what you want to do. So, you know, I watched a couple cancer documentaries, like really scary ones, and was just like jumped into the void, started having conversations with my husband, like the shitty ones that I didn't want to have, you know, that he doesn't want to have. But of course, you know, he let me talk. Um, And it was a rough few days process. Um, But when I did that, that also inspired me to write what I shared on Facebook. Um, And then I kind of came out on the other side feeling lighter And feeling like I now have more energy to kind of put toward other things. Like I've had the most productive week this past week than I have in months and um, have been more inspired this last week than I have been in a long time. So I think that that might be my new MO in tackling this. Like if I just feel that way instead of trying to compartmentalize and put stuff it down, mm-hmm. you know, in, in favor of just being optimistic or oh, not sure. wanting to deal with it, you know, I, just facing it. I see what you're saying. So, you know, a, a lot of people probably can relate to the, oh, she's being positive, you know, for me, like me as the person on Facebook reading it. Right. And yeah. Like you're, you're probably trying to make other people feel better and convince yourself, Mm -hmm. but those moments of realness of like, this is crazy. Like I have X amount of years. I don't know that time frame, but this is really how I'm feeling right now. I think that is that vulnerability is so beautiful and it's, it's just hard to fathom. And I think that that was something that facing your mortality thing you're going through is so intense and beautiful. And I, I thank you for sharing it. Because I don't know, I just, the empath in me wants to like, carry the burden with you and for you. And like, that's impossible. But you know, maybe just listening 
helps? No, it definitely helps. Like I said, you just inviting me to do this has helped quite a bit. So, you know, I thank you for reaching out to me and, and find thinking that there was a worthy story there. I was almost like when you, you gave me an out and you were like, is today still a good day? <laughs> cause I had been since yesterday. Cause I had an MRI yesterday and then a bunch of other shit, like something came up that blew a hole in my week, but I was able to get back on track. So that's oh, good. Yeah. And then I had my PET scan and a bunch of other medical stuff today. And I really, to be perfectly honest, I wish that I would have had more time to kind of like think through some of this stuff, but I was mm -hmm. like, you know, it, it's now or never just do it and let whatever comes from it come from it. I feel like I'm perhaps poised to be the most creative I've been in a very, very long time now that I have time and now that I've actually, I've got substance, what's going to build up more shit inside that you need to get out than like having terminal cancer. Like I've got material for days. <laughs> like I could just, you know, there's lots of things. Um, I found myself like, I liked thinking about what inspires me mm -hmm. because I think you're often inspired and you don't even know it, but taking time to kind of like sit back and think about it, you know, mm -hmm. I'm realizing for me, it's become like very simple sort of day-to-day -day things like everyday beauty or just like, like thinking about it. I didn't realize that those things were inspiring. It'll just be like in the moment, like if I'm holding my husband's hand, like just he has very nice, soft, ladylike hands, mm -hmm. the nicest hands on a man I've I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you know, just feeling the texture of his hand or like if I'm, you know, just looking at one of my kids do anything, you know, or just the way that they, you know, turn their head when they're talking. It's just like it's so beautiful. And I feel like I never took the time to sit back and appreciate those things before because life was always going so fast and I always had so many other things in the back of my mind. But in yeah. a way, you know, this whole experience has really allowed me to kind of appreciate the smaller things that I think a lot of people don't, that most of us don't. I mean, I didn't, you know, but there's, because when I think about what I'm going to miss, it's not how clean my kitchen floor was. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not going to miss who was president. You know, it's not, if, it took if a while. nothing else, that, that it is took a, a while. positive. It's yeah. got to be like the most insane year to mm -hmm. have to deal with cancer of all the years to like have to just push that away. It's kind of wild to think about what you have to like brush off to clear mm -hmm. off your lens. Yeah. I mean, and it, but it becomes, so you'd be surprised. It becomes surprisingly easy to brush that off because it's like immediate, you know, you're just kind of overwhelmed going from having pain in my back to, oh shit, there's tumors all over your body to, oh yeah, we're going to have to do this major back surgery um, that it's going to take forever to recover from. And, you know, like all of that, I mean, it just snapped me out of everything else. Yeah. And then getting, even when I, I mean, because I was told fairly early 
that I had stage four cancer, but I don't think that I knew what that really meant. Uh-huh. I didn't do any, I didn't do any Googling. I didn't consult Dr. Google. Yeah. I was like, I, I kind of, you know, did the whole ostrich. I wanted to stick my head in the sand and just kind of ignore that and come to everything organically. And then one night I just decided to like rip the bandaid off. I have a book. I was reading um, about just cancer humor. And I got some really great memes from that, <laughs> but I was reading just this cancer humor. And, um, I think I have the the page tabbed, but there's this woman who's about my age. Uh, I guess she does these like cartoons. It's like a little blurb. This is, if I were to like write a, write a book, I think that it would have to be in like this format where I, I mean, I'm not an artist, so these would be like stick figures over here, <laughs> but um, it's random topics. It's random, but it's not. But um, this is, it's on a platter. And so she writes, sometimes treatment takes a turn for the absurd. Like when you need very uh, precise spinal stereotactic radiation therapy and holding still just isn't good enough. And then, so that's what I had to have. It was part of a New York Times article and she goes through explaining the process of what happens to you and she compares it to being um wrapped like a feeling like you're a piece of um supermarket sushi because the the thing is ridiculous like you go in and then they have you lay down on like what feels like bean bags like little bean bag beads uh-huh. and then it inflates and then it conforms to your body so they get like a little natasha shaped mold wow. and so it's so you can't so you don't move so it's an, like that's why she said it's enough to be immobilized you have to like be there and they put you in your mold every time you go Whoa. so it's very precise but um i identified with that and i was like oh okay so the book is in between days um a memoir about living with cancer and it's by Tiva Harrison and I believe uh, an author from Canada. So I was like, oh, wow, I think I would like to read that book. And I Googled her, forgot to mention an important part. She had the same type of cancer that I do. Whoa. Stage four metastatic uh-huh. breast cancer. And that was the first time that I'd ever heard it referred to as terminal cancer. Oh. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Whoa. What? Terminal cancer. So then I was like, let's just rip the Google Band-Aid off. Mm-hmm. And so I started Googling it and I did not like what I saw. Mm-hmm. And that I think was, I don't want to say the beginning of the end, but that was the, it like set off a bomb in the middle of my life and yeah. completely, whereas before I was able to be that kind of oblivious, you know, have that oblivious optimism. But then after reading the cold, hard, like black and white statistics, it's like, shit, I kind of wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the movie Life is Beautiful. Like the dad is protecting the little boy yeah. and he just yeah. like doesn't even know that he's in yeah. concentration camps. And yeah. When was that that you kind of dropped that bomb on yourself? I can tell you exactly because it was late at night mm-hmm. when I did it and my husband was asleep and I um, did not want to wake him up. So I went and um, recorded my reaction. I wasn't intending oh. to record my reaction to it, but I just had such a response to it. It was six months ago. So okay, whatever six months ago was, I guess that would have been in July. And I'm kind of glad that I did that. 
I wanted to share it with someone, so I uploaded it to my YouTube page. But I'm glad that I was able to capture that because I've been able to go back and look at it. It's not like I'm reliving that awful moment. Right. I just, I don't know, I guess. You get to see it from a different lens. Yeah. Being further along, I still wish, I mean, I would have come to the realization one way or another. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I had little, like little hints had been dropped here or there, but I just, it wasn't until I read it for myself in black and white that I was like, fuck, this is way serious than I thought it was, you know? Maybe you couldn't hear it until then. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I didn't want to. Yeah. The treatments that they're doing, the last time I read something on Facebook, you said, like, no news is good news. So, mm-hmm. like, is it in check? Like, or- Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, I have estrogen positive, HER2 negative, breast cancer. So there's three types. There's estrogen positive, progesterone positive, and that's considered. So those two are hormone positive, which are the better out of the bunch. And huh. then there's... Triple negative. So of the types of cancer that I have, I actually have the best kind. Oh, good. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's one thing. Um, And then HER2 negative, that's um, a genetic mutation um, that causes cancer cells to grow faster. So I don't have that. Okay. Um, uh, It's also one of the easiest cancers to treat, supposedly. So Mm. had I been able to catch it a bit sooner, I probably wouldn't have had to go through that insane back surgery but um oh all the doctors were like man you were so calm and relaxed like the morning of surgery and I'm like yeah I thought it was gonna be like that oh not like that your scar was intense yeah yeah. I was I had no idea what the hell was in store for me I did when I woke up but I mean I think it's better I think if I had to go back and and do it again I mean it's better that I didn't know because I would have had to do it anyway you know same with the cancer realization you're kind of like in a better place when you don't when you can't convince yourself how terrible it's going to be yeah so the way that you treat this type of cancer is you starve the body in my case of estrogen so um immediately i went on a it's a monthly injection that they'll do it first and it's um, basically puts you into chemical induced menopause. (sighs) Yeah. And then, um, and then you take a hormone blocker in addition to that. And so I'm like, well, if I've got this type of cancer that is fed from estrogen, I mean, is there any alternative like the, you know, my ovaries, can I just get these puppies out? Like, do I need them? They're like, well, you know, in case you want to have kids earlier, I'm like, no, done that. we are done, <laughs> done, I'm done, I've been done, like take them. <laughs> so I started with the chemical induced menopause and then I had a bilateral salpingo oophorectomy, which is a real thing. It sounds, I was like are you shitting me? Is that really? Uh, he's like, no, that's what it's called. Um, so that's basically I had my ovaries removed. Um, huh. I had. That's uh, the name for it, huh? Bilateral. So that means two. Yeah. Salpingo. I don't know if that has to do with the, the way they remove it. And then oh. oophorectomy. You remove your oofs, your, oh. your eggs. So 
had the oophorectomy and then I did some rounds of radiation to to treat the tumors in my spine. So right at the beginning of everything, I wound up at the ER at MD Anderson because my insurance was kind of dicking around with some tests that I needed to get done. Um, And they, um, you know, just cut through all the red tape, um, gave me a CAT scan. And, you know, it's in a time of COVID. So my husband had to drop me off. And so I was there by myself. And I remember um, I had been there all morning and I was like starving. And they had just brought me some food and I was like opening a sandwich And then the doctor came in and just started reading from this list of shit. And I'm like sitting there like, what, but what does it mean? Like, can you just give me, Uh what does it mean? I'm like, so what you're saying is I, all of those things are cancer. Like I have cancer in all those spots. It's for sure, for sure cancer. And she was like, yes. So I asked her, I'm like, so um, if you had to, to say right now what it what you thought it was what would you say and she was like i would say that it's late stage breast or lung cancer that has metastasized so i had a tiny little nodule on my lung that was not cancer oh okay but i had a very large mass in my breast which was what i felt back in november that the doctor didn't listen to yeah so I had spots on my T3, T4, T7. So that's thoracic spine. Uh-huh. The very big mass on my uh, T10, which is for reference, it's the last, um, it's the vertebrae that connects to your last rib. Okay. And the cancer had basically eaten away at most of it. So it was like just a little sliver left. Wow. Um, and then I had some spots on my lower spine, on my right femur, um, right hip, and my right scapula, which is like my uh, shoulder, shoulder blade. blade almost. Yeah. Yeah. The most concerning spots were on my spine. So I had the, I don't remember the name of all the things they performed during the surgery, but they, it's, it's I know partial corpectomy, which is where they remove the part of the vertebrae. Um, and then they put those beautiful rods and screws in. But there were still some spots uh, that were concerning. So hormone therapy, mm-hmm. 10 rounds of radiation to treat the upper um, the upper tumors. And then um, once I had the oophorectomy, I was free to go on another treatment that um, has proven to be pretty effective. So the preferable treatment option, of course, my insurance denied. <laughs> so they put me on something that works very similar. Um okay. You know, my doctor said in 74% of patients, they were alive after five years. That was, like I said, I kept getting these little breadcrumbs. Uh-huh. That was one. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. Sounds good. So I'm on that. That's basically like hormone therapy. So I'm on a chemo pill. I'm on a three weeks on, one week off regimen. I get monthly um, infusions of zoledronic acid. The pharmaceutical name is Zomeda, but it's basically I have what's called lytic lesions on my bones. So one of my doctors said, yeah, they're kind of like, makes your bones look like Swiss cheese. What? Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for that visceral imagery. Like I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head, but the zoledronic acid helps strengthen your bones because the concern then when you have like holes in your bones is that you could easily fracture or whatever. Yeah. So 
earlier in the year when I had first started, I was in so much pain. I tried to change my lifestyle, yoga, Mm -hmm. you know, more exercise, drink more water, eat better, like all this stuff. Nothing worked. I couldn't get an MRI, which is what I needed, but I did get sent for um, some x-rays and uh, they saw that I had a fractured vertebrae. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. No one thought to be like, hmm, that's curious. Why, you know, why do you have a fractured vertebrae? Yeah. What did you do to do that? Did you have an injury? Yeah. And I didn't. They asked me and I'm like, no, I didn't. Anyway. So um, I do that. And basically, um, you know, there is no end date to that that's I'm on that indefinitely or until it stops working uh-huh so and then when it stops working then we try something else you're maintaining you're like living with cancer that's like the, yeah that's the reality of well is it shrinking them or is it just like keeping it from growing it yes it's helped shrink quite a quite a few spots on my back there was oh. only one area on my sacrum that had gotten worse so right now they consider it's uh, palliative care because they're, you know, in their mind, it's it's not curable. So we're just going to make you comfortable. comfortable. So when I did have, because um, I've only had one PET scan until today. I've had my second PET scan. And on Monday, I go to find out if, you know, what the next update is. Hopefully things are, you know, keeping steady. I'd like to maintain just like nothing's getting a lot worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. So right now we're maintaining. Maintaining. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you hate talking about it or is it just like what's on your no. mind? No, okay. I don't hate talking about it. Okay. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I, I, I worry if I'm like, give me all the details. If you're like, I'm no. tired of talking about the details. No, no. I've been ignoring everybody mostly until recently not really on purpose but you know i have got not to sound like i have got so many facebook messages (laughs) but i mean i really so many people have just been amazing and have reached out to me and it's just you know sometimes it's hard to pull yourself out of it enough to like reach back yeah so that's that's on my to-do list just to go back through and and you know, yeah. Thank people, or you know, whatever. Just not be in my own little bubble. It's very easy to trap yourself in your own little bubble. Yeah. Kind of ignore the world. Yeah, especially if you've like reached out to them and they're like, "Okay, I I've heard your call," and it was mm-hmm. a very compelling call. There, there's something, and this is what I remember about our friendship when we were 15. Is like you're just there's something about you that's very compelling. I don't I don't know how exactly to put a pin in it. It's just kind of I don't know. You're just easy to listen oh, to. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm just I'm so glad to like catch up, you know? Yeah, I'm very glad to catch up too. And yeah. I mean I, I must admit I did a little bit of internet stalking on you too. Yeah. And you're doing awesome stuff and all this creative stuff too. I I feel like I have to or else I will get just overwhelmed. The pressure is really intense. And so the way that I can get away from that pressure and think clearly is by like sewing or recording a podcast or 
dancing when that was a thing that people could do. I miss that so much. I know. I don't even in my house with my kids. I used to just put on the record player and just like dance and I just haven't. So this is a reminder to myself Mm -hmm. that like a dance party is in my future. So the DJ from Numbers actually DJs on Friday night on uh, what app? It's like the app that everybody is um parlor just kidding twitch okay (laughs) no on twitch so he djs on twitch um like all the stuff that you would hear at numbers and so i created a facebook invite and um we all joined a zoom call and had like a little living room dance party really it was neat yeah that's so sweet is it, it like fun. old school numbers? Yes, stuff? yes. Really? Yeah, I've been listening just sort of on and off whenever I think about it, and it, I'm like, oh shit, it's on. Do you remember we used to? Um, they used to have coupons to like get in on Saturday night for free or something, and it was like neon coupons that you could get at um, Bazaar Bazaar or something. And my mom would make copies of it, <laughs> and we would pay for Friday night and get in on Saturday night for free, free on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. You've reminded me of that memory that was locked away somewhere back oh, there. Yeah. But yes, I do remember the the neon pieces of paper. Yeah. I think numbers was so amazing for a lot of people. Like it was just a really wonderful place to go and realize that you could be whoever whoever you were, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got so much out of just going and dancing from like mm-hmm. 9 p.m to 2 a.m. as mm-hmm. a 15 year old oh yeah oh yeah believe me I have a 50 I, well now she's 18 but I was like oh shit oh shit like white knuckling it the whole time like just waiting for her to you know I'm gonna go stay at so-and-so's house and then you know yeah how was that did she ever was she a no. dancing she's no. just like a good kid she's a good kid not that we were not good kids at 15 mom if you're listening <laughs> I was a bad kid. I mean, I had a lot of fun, but you you were a good girl. Yes. Yes. We were perfect. We were perfect. For me, it was so just like simple, just dancing the night away. Oh, that was a really, I don't know. It was such a beautiful time. It was. I'm, I think that um, when everything opens, that'll be my first destination. It's going to dance under the big disco ball. It's still, it's still very much the same. It's really? different, but it's very much the same. Like, well, you hit on me Friday up. nights. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I'll drive down to Houston and go dancing with you. I got another one. How do you encourage creativity in your kiddos? Because your daughter is a singer and a musician. She plays guitar. Yes, she plays um, guitar. Ukulele is her favorite. Mm. Um, I feel like it's definitely important for them to have that as a creative outlet. Like my son is super into sports, but he's also like really into music. You know, he wants to be like a NBA player or a rapper, which is, <laughs> or, I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> for Christmas every year, we'll buy them something musical for them to play around mm. with. Like we, we got my son like a little... Um, drum pad and like uh software on his computer so that he could make dope beats <laughs> and zoe just whatever you know and just trying to trying to understand what they're into giving them a chance to play it for us you know yeah you shared a video of her i don't know if it was a song she wrote 
or a song she was playing, but I'm assuming it's a song she wrote. Mm -hmm. And she had the most beautiful voice. And I was just so impressed by it. Does she have a YouTube page? She does. Um, She does. It's yeah, me. It's Y-U-H dot M-E. Okay. Um, School of Rock was recommended to us by one of her therapists. And Zoe um, went and the instructors there were amazing. And you could tell they really, really cared about the kids. And it's such a creative environment. Like the school itself, like has all these themed rooms. Like there's a yellow submarine Beatles room that's like all decked out with murals and stuff. So it's just it's a really cool environment that I'm sure inspires creativity for the kids. Um, but then the program is set up as such that they're encouraged to play anything that they want to play, like any instrument that they want to play. And they'll have like an individual lesson every week. And then they have, um, a group, um, like rehearsal. So it's performance based. So every quarterly they do these performances and they do them at really cool venues, like continental club, like, real venues that bands play at. And uh, so they'll rehearse a set of music for that show and it's all leading up to the show. But the very first show was Pink Floyd's The Wall. And I mean, Zoe didn't want to get out of the car that day. She was having a panic attack. And, um, you know, and all she was doing was playing guitar on one song and singing. So she went from that to three months later um, performing Gangsta's Paradise, just her and her ukulele. And then from there, you know, and from there, it's just, I mean, the explosion of like creativity and confidence has just been monumental for her. Like, I mean, she'll tell you that it changed her life. So awesome. I'm so so glad that she got, she had that experience. So now she has a way to emote, you know. Yeah. Like our dancing when we were 15. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was the last question I had, unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about. You know, I feel like I try to be creative with my hands. Mm. Um, Like I used to make um, like collages and pieces of art and stuff. Um, And I haven't done that in years, but I feel like you're manic so like you're a manic maker I'm tend to be the like I take a long time like I drag that shit out I have the like a a cabinet I try to refinish and cover with this amazing like unicorn um like unicorns and donut uh wrapping paper that I found I was like and then I put gold leaf on the side uh-huh. and then I left it in the garage it was going to be the most am- and I bought these like crystal handles like drawer pulls and shit uh-huh. for it I left it out in the garage for like I don't know a year and then I was like I'm gonna fit and it was totally ruined like, oh shit. no oh, yeah no. so that's how it tends to go in my world and I need to figure out a way to get away from that Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the more I have on my plate, the more I do. So like if that I makes sense. if I don't have very like on Monday, I didn't have very much to do because I had the kids at home distance learning and I just like got one or two things done for work. And so Matt and I take turns going into the office and the other one will stay home with the kids. And once I got to work, I was like, I've got so much to do. And I got more. I got like a week's worth of stuff done in one day just because I was like overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by it. And I think that 
describes my manic maker. Like, I just, the more that I feel like I have to churn through, the more energy I have. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's probably not a healthy thing to do. I talk about it with my therapist a lot. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's probably not completely unhealthy because you're, you know, you force yourself to get it out and get it done. And then I'm sure you feel a great sense of pride and accomplishment. And, you know, looking back, like I did that, I I did did that thing. thing. It's finished. Mm -hmm. It's not just sitting in the garage getting mildewy, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you were to give yourself a title for your creative identity, what would your title be? I'm definitely a long winded storyteller. It's a good one. That's a very good one. But I have I'm to sure you're figuring it out now. I, <laughs> but it felt just like perfectly winded for the podcast, you know, like okay. to get up on your soapbox and like tell stories. So but I think it's a it has a nice rhythm to it. I like well, it. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you, Natasha. Thank you. And I'm just so grateful to have this time with you and I appreciate you doing this with me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. And thanks to our listeners. We hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. Go to chattycrafties.com for a blog post on this episode, as well as photos, social media, links, and more. I'm at Chatty Crafties on social if you want to chat about crafty things between interviews. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Angelica Norton. The intro and outro music was by my husband, Matt Norton, as Berm and Swale. I've got the results of the PET scan Natasha mentioned. Great news! There are no active cancer cells. That means she can stay the course on this treatment, and it's the best news she could have hoped for. Now, if you need a kick in the pants to go work on a project you've got sitting in your garage, I'm here to tell you to get up off the couch and go make some art.